Kia ora, kia ora. Good to see you all. Yeah, too much socialising over there, Bree. Just cut it out. And what is this, like community or something? Unbelievable. I was going to do like they do in school, eh, where they're like, okay, we'll all wait for you, you know? Do you remember that in school where one person's talking? Yeah, okay. Hey, super good to see you, eh? Cool. And it's, I know it's crazy. Are we masks? Are we not? What's happening? Ah, but we'll figure it out, eh? Um, let me pray, sorry. Hey, so just so you know, um, so, uh, and they know we're going to talk about them, so it's all good. So Wendy, you guys know Wendy, um, one of the coolest person, uh, people on the planet. Uh, so she got rushed up to hospital by ambulance yesterday. Um, just her, her blood pressure was like through the roof, her heart, um, and her head, like she was super nauseous, dizzy. It was just really horrible. Um, so Jason and I have been talking with her all, all um, yesterday and stuff. And then um, Frankie, so you know Delwyn and Frankie? Um, so Frankie got rushed up to the hospital uh, yesterday evening. Um, yeah, something with his heart, and he just can't breathe. So they got him on oxygen and stuff. So um, both of them, like Delwyn and Frankie, basically got no sleep last night. I've been talking with Delwyn, it just sounds, because they were still in the ED thing. So our prayer for them is that Frankie would get a bed today so that they could get some sleep and rest and wisdom for the doctors and stuff. And then Wendy's getting 8 million tests. So I should be, I'm always silly with my words, sorry. Wendy's getting apparently every blood test they can possibly do this morning um, for her. So hoping that brings some clarity and, and so on. So both of them are cool, like they're in good spirits, if you know what I mean. But just, yeah, would love some healing from God um, or some clarity on what's going on. So, yeah, so I just want to pray for them eh, as we get into the message and all that. Yeah, um, yeah Almighty God, thanks that you are over all things. Thanks that nothing happens uh, on this planet uh, that's outside your control, uh, that's outside your wisdom, that's outside your love. And we thank you for that. Thanks that you love Wendy. Thanks that you love um, Dalwyn and Frankie way more than they would understand uh, now or in eternity. We'll never understand the depth and the power of your love and your care for us. So right now, as a community of your people, uh, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ and we lift up Wendy, we lift up Frankie before you, God. Um, we know you're a God of, of healing. You're a God of unlimited power. And we know if you want to, if it's in your will, you could just heal them right now. And you ask us to pray in faith. So in faith, we're calling out to you now. And we're praying that you would uh, just heal Wendy. That all of a sudden they'll be like, what? How? What? How come? What is happening? How come you're fine? Uh, we lift up Frankie before you, God, with all the health things he's had over the last little while. God, always call out to you in the name of Jesus for healing. Um, for him, God, again, just that his heart would get back to the rhythm it's meant to be, that his breathing would just become fine and we would know it's because you, um, the almighty God, has moved. Eh? Um, if that's not your plan, we call out to you for great wisdom for the doctors today. It just feels like both of them, the doctors just have no idea what's going on. Um, we pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, insight, that they'd see something they missed or whatever. We really pray for a bed for Frankie so that Dalwyn, who hasn't slept for a long time now, might be able to get some sleep today, God. Um, yeah, so just real, we really pray a blessing on them. Thanks that they know we're praying for them, and they just feel really honoured that we, as a community of people, are lifting them up. Hey, yeah, bless them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, amen, amen. Cool, cool. Hey, so we're in this little Christmas series, hey, Jesus, the hope of the world. As I said last week, um, we were the previous series was hope, but not as the world hopes, and now we're kind of transitioned into this. 
Um, Jesus is the hope of the world, whole thing. And I just want to start with kind of a side thing. So this is not part of my sermon time. So if you're, you're timing me, you have to stop your stopwatch and, and let me finish this a little bit. Um, just obviously like 99.9% of the feedback from the church around all this church meeting plans and stuff and the cafe has been incredibly positive, which is super cool. And we had heaps of really positive people coming into the cafe this week. We even had people coming in who were so excited to find a cafe um, who weren't vaccinated, but they could come here and get coffee and stuff outside. Um, there was one group of people that turned up that were quite emotional because they said they'd been to a whole bunch of cafes and every cafe was like, no, no, no. And then they came here and we were all lovely and welcoming and the lady got quite emotional, which was so cool. And I was like, yay. So it's been really cool. But just this verse keeps bouncing around in my head and I'm sure you've been seeing it. It's just a little paraphrase of Galatians 3.28. Now there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, and I added in, vaccinated or unvaccinated, right? For you're all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one, right? Whether we're meeting here and the other places or whatever, the, the number one thing is that we are the body of Christ, this local church, right? And I feel like Satan's doing a really good job with those hands. I always imagine him like doing some evil hands. And he's like, yeah, this is going to bring a mess to the church. Mwah. And I'm like, in your face, Satan. You know, we've got Jesus. We are one body. So I just want to encourage you. Um, if there's someone you know who's struggling with this whole vaccine, non-vaccine, passports, church, cafe, whatever, I'd love you to just reach out to them and say, hey, can I share you a coffee? Can we catch up? Can we talk through this? Hey, we are one body, right? Is that cool, eh? Yeah, I think it's cool. I just love the feedback this church gives you when you preach. It's just amazing. Hey, so, um, so now, clock's on, right? Sermon, sermon time. Um, Jesus is the hope of the world, right? That's what we're talking about in this little series. And one of the things we're talking about is how. How is he the hope of the world? So like I said last Sunday, this is something we say all the time at Christmas, right? Jesus is the hope of the world. But then if someone goes, how? Some of us would be like... Now nah, I got nothing, you know? So how is he really the hope of the world? So last week I talked about he is truth. That's one of the ways. He's the hope. He brings truth in a world of confusion and lies and, and chaos. He brings truth and light. And this week I want to talk about a whole different aspect of, um, of hope that Jesus brings in this kind of crazy world. Um, one of the things I, I thought about this week, and I'm going to talk about the, the humble beginnings of Jesus, right? Manger, barn, his father, and society not believing that his father's God, obviously, and all this kind of stuff. And it, it makes Jesus' life begin in an incredibly humble way. But one of the things you see as you track his life is that that humble beginning, it, that humbleness of Christ just carries on the whole way through his life. And people continually put him down. So you're going to see some verses where he just gets put down and put down and put down, Right? Um, but one of the things that he does is he doesn't allow his humble beginnings to define who he's going to be, right? So that's the key thing I want you to think about. He doesn't allow his humble beginnings to define who he's going to be. And I think for some of us, certainly not all of us, we do allow our past and our current situations to define who we can be, what we can do on this planet, right? So some of us, I had a long story short, I had a terrible upbringing. If you ever want to hear a pretty bad upbringing, come and have a chat to me, it's pretty off the charts, it's like growing up in a camp in the 70s was not a good idea to do with all sorts of crazy stuff happening, um, pretty, pretty bad, and a lot of us had some bad stuff happen to us, or a lot of us have done some bad things over our life, and so often we allow that to define us and kind of put a lid on who we believe we can be, and then the worst part of that is we sometimes put a lid on who we can be in Christ, right? And we go, oh, I'd love to help in the church doing that, or I'd love to help in the community, but oh man, I've, I've done this, I've done this. So some of us do that. The other thing a lot of us do is it's not bad stuff. We haven't done terrible things in there. But we still, when we think about what we could do ourselves or what we could do in Christ, 
we still limit ourselves because we look at us rather than looking at Jesus. Does it make sense? So we look at us and we limit ourselves and we go, oh man, I'd love to do that thing. Oh, but it's just me from Rotatuna or not Ham East. Ham East is the chosen suburb, but Rotatuna or Tekofa. You know what I mean? Or we, we limit ourselves. That's one of the things I just want to talk a little bit about um, this morning, this whole thing that Jesus starts out in the most humble way possible, but yet it doesn't limit him, obviously. And he kind of cheats a little bit because he's the son of God, but we'll talk a bit about that. So that's why I've called this, this little sermon Humble Beginnings, right? Humble Beginnings. And I want to start um, looking at these verses over in Micah 5 too. so I'll put this on the screen, obviously. Um, I'll, I'll just read this bit. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, such a weird word to say, Ephrathah, crazy, eh? In the Spanish, it's literally spelt Ephrathah, which I was like, oh, thank you, that makes it easy. You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, Yet a ruler of, I love this ending. Look at this ending. And as I read it, imagine that I'm Gandalf in Lord of the Rings with a giant beard and a staff, because it just has that feeling. Listen to this. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. It even rhymes, right? It's pretty cool. Um, one of the things I want to unpack this morning from this verse is just the massive paradox you see just in this verse. And you see it right through the life of Jesus. And obviously, I want to pull that into us, the paradox we should see in our lives. The first little bit, but you, Bethlehem, you're a small village, right? You're this tiny little village. But then you look at the bottom, and it's like, just because he starts in this tiny little insignificant village, which is, it's even smaller than you're thinking right now, who he becomes or who he is is just this incredible, almighty creator of the universe. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is this. Uh, can anything um, good come out of Nazareth? So you guys know this verse, but I always find this just a crazy verse. And like I said, it's not just that Jesus starts with humble beginnings. It's the whole way through his life, people are continually putting him down, putting him down, putting him down. And you'll see it in this verse we're going to look at, but you see it with the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders are constantly just putting Jesus down, putting Jesus down. Remember his family, his brothers and sisters come, and they literally say to the disciples, he's crazy, putting him down, putting him down, right? But Jesus doesn't allow this to, to define him, to hold him back. Um, so I love this. This is a, a crazy little passage in John 1. So Jesus is just starting his ministry, right? So he's around 30-ish years old, and I love this verse. Um, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's like, oh, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then I love his reply, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, oh my gosh. Now, I know this is going to get me in trouble, but whenever I read this verse, I always think of Morrinsville. Are you with me, eh? Are you with me? I'm always like, if there's one town in the Waikato that I'm just like, it's Morrinsville. I don't know why. Every time I drive through, I'm just like, I just don't like it. Thank you, Nick. It's weird, right? So if you're from Morrinsville, Jesus loves you. Just email me, Craig at a Gordon. No, I'm joking. I don't know. But it's this kind of thing, right? It's this idea like you go to do something really cool in the church, and then someone says, you can anything good come out of Morrinsville when they're pointing at you? And you're like, oh, what? It's like, what is the location of where you're from got anything to do with what you can do? But that's what he says. Now, I just love, so I love, um, so you guys know the, the message paraphrase, right? It's a paraphrase of the Bible. And I love how Eugene Peterson translated this in his um, paraphrase. Look at this. Um, whoa, where'd it go? Whoa, it disappeared. What happened? Oh, I had it. I'll read it from up here. It literally says, I'll read the whole bit. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, um, the one from Nazareth. And then Nathanael said, Nazareth? 
you've got to be kidding. And I was like, it's that same kind of like just putting him down, right? Putting him down, putting him down. Oh, I just hate that, eh? I hate that. Can anything good come out of Morrinsville? Can anything good come out of me? <laughs> That's what we do, right? Um, we're really good at, at self-limiting ourselves. Instead of looking at God and going, man, what can God th- do through me? Oh, that's right, anything, because he's the creator of the universe. Um, we, we limit ourselves, right? We limit ourselves. Man. Hey, so um, back to this Micah um, 5.2 verse, right? Um, this whole, this paradox that I was saying before that you see in there is just so powerful. Let me read it again now that I've got a bit more of the, the understanding. This is from Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase, but you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter. Now, the reason he does that, in most of the records in the Old Testament, it never mentions Bethlehem. Bethlehem is like this pointless little town that no one ever cares about. And so I'm going to give you a question in a minute. One of the questions is, why did God choose to have Jesus born in the runt of the litter? Why did God choose to have Jesus born in the Morrinsville of the Waikato, right? There's a reason that God did that. So why would he do that? And then you see this massive change, right? But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the runt of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Man, I just love that, that, that paradox in there, like I was saying, right? Such a huge change. Um, one of, the, one of the, um, the, the key things in this, I think, that you miss when you, when you look at this, isn't it? because this is written in Hebrew, right? Is this last phrase. Um, Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are from distant past, that literally means the eternal one. So in the Hebrew, it literally means the one who is outside time, and it says that. And so you look at this verse again, and you're like, Bethlehem, a small village among the people of Judah. It's like this insignificant, pointless town, right? But yet this one that's born there is the eternal, incredible son of God. It's just like this paradox the whole way through, and we see it. In our lives, again and again, I think, we, we limit ourselves, and God looks at us, and he's just like, no, no, don't limit yourself. Look at who I am. Look at what I can do through you, right? I just love that. Um, so one, there's a whole bunch of reasons why God did this, right? Um, one of the main ones is to show that there's a, a change in the understanding of Israel and how they can connect with God, right? So one of the things that the Jewish leaders have done that's terrible is they've changed, they've moved God from being someone who everyone is, is able to have access to him in different ways, everyone can connect to him, to God's become so sacred and perfect that no one can really connect with him, and you literally have to now go through priests, and it's gotten real crazy. They've really misunderstood a lot of what God said. And so one of the main things that Jesus comes to communicate Um, to Israel and therefore to the world, is that God is accessible to everyone, right? Everyone is welcome to come and connect with him. And so he's wanting to bring this change. And so God starts, because he's super smart, right at the beginning in the birth of Jesus. And so Jesus is born in the most accessible place you could imagine. Makes sense, right? A barn. How accessible is a barn? Well, it'd be pretty accessible. (laughs) Even if Jesus was born in a house, it'd be a little bit like, oh, can I go or not? If he was born in a palace, right? He's the king of kings. There's no way tons of people would get in. And it would, it would affirm that message that the Jewish leaders are, are saying. But instead, Jesus is born in a barn. And the shepherds, the shepherds are the lowest rung of society in Israel at this time. You just don't trust shepherds. They're shady, nasty people, right? Um, but even the shepherds, the lowest form, they have full access to God, right? And he's just starting this whole understanding happening right at the beginning. Um, and this, like I said, this kind of humility of Jesus just carries on, carries on, carries on. And when you stop and think how extreme God went 
to make sure we, we get the, hum, the humble beginning of Jesus. It gets pretty crazy, right? So we all know the story, right? He's born in a barn. Unbelievable. And again, in Jewish culture, at this time, hospitality is off the charts. Off the charts. So for a pregnant woman, who's so pregnant, she gives birth while she's there, to not be taken into a home is just unbelievable, right? Um, part of God's plan. So born in a barn. Um, we've had heaps of babies born at Agora lately. They're just popping out everywhere. It's insane, right? Um, it's a good thing. Oh, I thought you were like, what? I was like, wow, okay. It's a good thing, right? Um, I don't know any of the parents that took that baby home and put it in a feed trough, right? Anyone? No one? <laughs> you know? Um, again, <laughs> you? Out. Um, again, it's that, that incredible humble. Not only is Jesus born in a barn, but there's just nowhere for him to be put. And he's literally put into a, a nasty, gross feed trough. It would be horrible. Uh, and then the other thing that I think we often forget is that he grows up his whole life. He knows who his father is. But all of society, except for Mary and Joseph, just continually question who his father really is. So imagine growing up with that. You're born in a barn of all places. I was born at Auckland Hospital. Where were you born? Oh, in a barn. <laughs> you know, it's like humble, humble, humble. Um, but it never, it never limits him, right? It never limits him. I wrote it down like this this week. So one way Jesus is the hope of the world is that he shows that he makes God is accessible to everyone. We don't need a temple with sacrifices or to learn the perfect prayer or posture or anything to gain access to God. Sometimes you have these amazing times with God where you feel his presence and you feel so close to him that you almost pop with joy in the fullness of God. But at other times you feel like your world is falling apart. You feel like you can't even pray much more than, ah, help me, Jesus. But Jesus is the hope of the world because he brings us close to God. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do, Jesus communicates to us in such a humble way that he is accessible. God is accessible to us. I just love that, right? So we come humbly to Jesus, asking him to accept and remove our sins, and he does. We come humbly asking him to guide us, to direct us, and he does. So the first point is this whole humility, right? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the second part is this here. Where your journey began does not determine who you are, right? Where your journey began does not determine who you are. Um, this is a quote from a book I was reading this week. I just love this. God has never been interested in the world's definition of greatness, wealth, fame, popularity, power. None of these are noteworthy to God. And this is that quote, right? Where Jesus' journey began did not determine what he could accomplish for the kingdom. I just love that, eh? Um, I want to say to you, I don't know heaps of you super well, right? We're good Westerners who keep most of our life very carefully hidden from other people. Um, man, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, um, no matter what hurt or pain you carry, um, God has unlimited dreams and desires that he wants to see you accomplish with him, right? Um, I just want to encourage you to look to him instead of looking at yourself and limiting it. Does that make sense? So often we know God's calling us to do something, but we look at ourselves and our abilities, and he's like, what? I indwell you. I empower you. I strengthen you. Man. I just want to finish by looking at these verses from um, 1 Corinthians again that Ros read, because uh, that first part is super rude. So if you've got your Bible, um, grab it out again, or a device or something, um, grab it out. Because um, I find this kind of funny, because God, this is quite rude when you read it. 
Um, so I'll read a bit of this again, right? Um, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that, and I love this bit, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. And some of us are like, what? Man, check out my bank balance. Check out my credit card with not, like, massive issues. <laughs> check out my house. Um, verse, um, verse 27, instead, God chose things the world. This is where it gets really like, oh. God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things, us, that are powerless. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing that the world considers important. I just love that, eh? It's this, this harsh reality that we get that no matter how awesome or amazing we think we are when God looks at us, he goes, yeah, compared to me, compared to the righteousness and the purity and the holiness that I offer, you just have nothing to bring. Um, some of you are amazing, awesome people, but none of you did God look at and be like, man, that person is legendary. I need to save them because they are going to bring a lot to the table of salvation. Right? It just doesn't work like that. Us compared with God are pretty worthless, <laughs> pretty unwise, right? I love that. But thank God, um, you have verse 30, right? I love this, the, this comparison or this paradox, right, that God brings. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. And I just love that, eh? Because you start with that beginning part, and it's like we're foolish, and we're kind of this disappointment, and we're kind of like unhelpful, and blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, yeah, but then, because of who you are in Christ, it's this complete and utter change, right? Yeah, I just love that. I just want to finish with this last verse, and then worship team, do you guys want to come on up and lead us in worship? Um, this last verse is a paraphrase of Romans 5.8, which is one of my favorite verses. Um, the almighty righteous son of God became sin, so that we can become mighty righteous children of God. I love that. Eh? The humility that Jesus went to, the depths that he went to, never defined who he would become. But like I've said a bunch of times, I think some of us do allow the stuff going on in our life or the things that we've done or that people have done to us to, to limit us, right? Hey, Etsu, let's all stand up and let me lead us in a prayer. Cool. Let me pray for us. Hey, just before I pray, I just want to say a weird thing. That was a really, really hard sermon to preach. I'm going to say this with my eyes shut or I'm going to cry. Um, I preached it Thursday morning for the online church and recorded it and it just went real smooth and it flowed and I read through it last night, preached it again a couple of times this morning um, at like 6am right and it just went real smooth and, and flowed and then now preaching it was like, it, preachers talk about wading through mud in a sermon where your thoughts feel confused, where it just doesn't flow, the, the slides are messed up and stuff and I, whenever that happens I'm always like man the evil one is angry. The evil one is scared right now. Um, so I don't know why. I don't, I don't know where you are in your situation. But I've been doing this Jesus thing for a long time now, and I, I've always found when that happens, um, the worship team struggles, the tech struggles, the preacher struggles. It's because Satan is trying to do all he can to disempower the message of God. Um, so I'm, I'm just saying that because what that normally means is that someone who was listening to this, maybe you're listening on podcast, uh, maybe you're sitting here, um, one of you really, really needed to hear that message. Um, some of you will be like, nah, I'm all good, I'm not limiting myself, but I would strongly believe there's someone listening that is going, oh man, that's totally me. 
something happened to me in the past, something that I am doing now or something I did in the past, you're allowing that to limit you and hold you back from becoming the the almighty child of God, like I I said in that last verse, right? Um, Yeah, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you, Chris, um, elders. There's heaps of cool people in this church. I'd love to just pray with you afterwards. Um, You could come up during this next song if you want, and we could have a pray or or come up afterwards and just ask us some prayer, right? Um, If you're listening on the podcast, wow, I'd just love to meet with you. You can get hold of me, Craig, at agorachurch.nz, and love to make contact and spend some time praying with you. eh? Don't allow the evil one to limit uh, the awesome, beautiful, amazing person that you are, right? Yeah. Hey, let me pray for us. Yeah. Your mighty God, thanks that you uh, know (laughs) who we really are. Uh, You, when you look at us, just see literally unlimited potential. (laughs) Uh, You never, ever limit us, ever. (laughs) Um, We're pretty good at limiting ourselves, to be honest. Um, We're pretty good at judging ourselves way more harshly than anyone else judges us. Um, Yeah, because of things that have happened to us, things that were done, things that we're doing, I don't know. Uh, But I know your dream for us, your desire for us is always that we would come to you with everything throw it at the feet of Jesus and be like, man, this is it. (laughs) This is me. This is all I've got. (laughs) And then you go, what? It's not all you've got. You are amazing and beautiful and incredible. And you want to empower us and use us. Yeah, I don't don't know what was going on this morning in the sermon, God. Um, I just pray, yeah, if there is someone who really needs to hear that, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would dig that truth into their soul. Um, Jesus... (laughs) the almighty Son of God, the most humble beginnings possible, right? Um, Us, no matter who we are, you want to use us, you want to empower us, you want to do incredible things through us, God. Don't allow us to limit ourselves, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.